Listener Production. Giving you the warm and fuzzies just like when your favourite flirty barista draws a love heart on your latte. Oh, isn't that cute? It's Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. Oh, and a very happy International Podcast Day to you. We got our own day, Matt. I know, we're the only ones celebrating it as well. What about International Vlog Day, all right? That's what I would say to you. Um, But, yeah, this is very cool to be able to spend it with you here on All Day Breakfast. Big, big show lined up, O'Kine. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to be chatting to uh, a superstar of Australian TV and and dramaturgy. Uh, (laughs) Brendan Cowell has written a new book on poems. We can't wait to chat to him about that. Also, we might be able to slip in a couple of questions about... Um, Avatar 2 and Game of Thrones. He's done some big gigs over in his time, so very excited. Yeah, I hope you've been getting some good facts for us today for Mind Blown. And uh, speaking of dramaturgy, um, old Alex Dyson in his university days did two tutorials of dramaturgy before dropping out because it was boring. Uh, But also in that degree, Matt O'Kine, which was a Bachelor of Creative Arts... I uh, learnt a thing or two about making some postmodern visual art. I thought you were going to say about making coffee. (laughs) 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 Well, certainly not making out. I'd say I didn't do much of that in uh, creative arts. But (laughs) look, um, a creative artist has has raised the eyebrows of the world. And we're going to tell you about that in a moment. It's All Day Breakfast with Matt and Alex. Hope you're well. This is just the start. Everyone ready? Let's get this show on the road. Let's go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Matt and Alex, All Day Breakfast. Matt, have you ever taken the absolute piss with an assignment? (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever have you ever phoned it in? <laughs> I mean, I told you when I when I when I dressed up in my girlfriend at the time's wearable art and danced around to Kenny Rogers the Gambler in <laughs> oh my dear. drama class. It had no meaning whatsoever at all. I just thought it seemed artistic and what? would therefore gr- warrant a pass mark, of which I did get a B. And I think that was a pity mark for looking so stupid. Well, that was a gamble. We had a bit of a uh, rumor at our school. I think was a. a essay in journalism or like a, an English literature subject that was like, what is the meaning of fear, right? It was, you know, a 2,000 word essay oh, yeah. on the meaning of fear and they wrote writing this essay and got an A for just for doing that. Not even getting close to the word counts, but um, yeah, just doing a bit of a Kenny Rogers, taking a gamble on it would be arty enough to get away with. And it seems that uh, a Danish artist has done a similar thing after they were commissioned uh, by a museum for an installation in Elborg, Denmark, um, for which Jens Hunning was paid $84,000 to produce some art. He goes down, buys some canvases, gives them absolutely blank, I guess takes the wrapping off them and then gives them directly to the art gallery and then uh, says, here you go, here's my conceptual art. It's called Take the Money and Run. I'll take the $84,000, thanks. See you later. And the, art, the museum's like, what's going on here? These this are just blank. is a genius, honestly. Absolutely nothing. One's smaller than the other. I don't know whether that's supposed to signify anything. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's, it's literally nothing. It's not even like, a, oh, no, this is a pearl white or I've actually decided to use a, you know, off-cream toothpaste white to show my 
appreciation for enamel. There's nothing. Yeah. Well, according to a written agreement, Jens was asked to make an art piece with banknotes recreating a pair of artworks he made in 2007 and 2010 that represented the average annual income of an Austrian and a Dane. Um, But the quote from Jens as to what's happened in this situation said, the work is that I have taken their money. It's not a theft. It is a breach of contract. And the breach of contract is part of the work. I mean, what a little slippery little eel Jens. (laughs) Jens. Hunning is. He could have just, I don't know, a blank white, you know, sheet. He could have called it before the wet patch or something like that. You know what I mean? But... (laughs) <laughs> but he's just taking it. I love it. Well, it just like I mentioned my creative arts degree, Matt O'Kine, and in my, in my best mark of the four subjects I did in first year was the one I put the least work into. You had to do some any art and hands it is. Like, what's your art? And I said, okay, I'm going to take some video of my granddad doing stuff. And what I handed in was a six-minute long video. The first was him doing a Sudoku. The second was him doing a cross stitch of a, like a parrot. And the third one is him literally on the couch, motionless, watching According to Jim on the television, <laughs> handed it in. It was the best mark I got all year <laughs> for this thing. <laughs> Six minutes, three shots. That was it. Maybe he helped your lecturer solve a particularly hard Sudoku. You know, you, you, you never know. I mean, we released the world's first audioless podcast. <laughs> That's true. We didn't get $84,000 for it. That's for damn sure. I know. Well, in fact, uh, we dropped coins. (laughs) The art is called Take the Money and Run. So that is the question of the day. When have you taken the money and run? Harry from the Sunshine Coast. G'day. G'day. How you doing? Not too bad. You ever um, done a bit of a runner with the cash? Uh, Not myself, but my grand did. She um, she was a conniving old Scottish lady and she found a roll of 50s in the gutter and sort of whispered out, is this anyone's? And no one replied. So she pocketed it and ran. <laughs> I love the whisper. Is this there? Instead of doing the shout, it, a he, ye, he, ye. Is this anyone's? Just get picking it up and going, is this anyone's? Uh, oh, okay, then. Exactly what she's done. <laughs> That's it. There's proof. I asked. I asked. No one answered. No one answered. That is, that is literally the old terms and conditions at the very bottom of the screen, making it absolutely minuscule. Oh, my God. Incredible. Coffee? Yeah, coffee. A seventh coffee never hurt Well, here it is, Mind Blown, your number one stop shop for having your synapses absolutely exploded. Matt O'Kine bringing in the hottest facts that he's learnt in the last week that will just leave you scratching what was left of your head. Who needs university when you've got O'Kine and the internet? Um, Let's kick off with our first fact for today. Um, of this one came I devised during lunchtime yesterday after I had my little post meal snackaroonie, mm. little Kit Kat, uh, just the or as you used to have the take two. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, box. yeah. When Alex Dyson <laughs> went to school, he was not doing your your name brands. The Kit Kats were the take twos uh, back in the day. So, here's a, here's a fact that you might not know. During World War Two, Kit Kats took on a blue wrapper. And what? were made out of dark chocolate thanks to a milk shortage. What? Mind blown. 
Not bad, hey? There you go. During a lot Imagine of- having a mil- and that, like a nationwide milk shortage, no one getting milk. I mean, England's going through a big shortage of things right now. It's, again, it's happening again. Well, 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 if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of going into it. I've read a couple of articles surrounding it, but yeah, many people are thinking of the old Brexit, getting rid of the people, uh, the truck drivers and, and that. Coming back to bite him. <laughs> <laughs> Let's think, speaking about getting bitten, uh, moving on to a fact that I picked up from Shantan Wantan Ichiban, our old mate from Triple J. I was reading his Twitter a couple of days ago and he just came up with this random he, fact. He is Shantan. He is a vibe delivery boy. Okay. He's... Well, this one came out of nowhere. I'm just scrolling Twitter. Suddenly he comes up with this one. All right. Although they may resemble dogs, hyenas are actually more closely related to cats. Mind blown. Really? I thought I thought you'd grown at that one. Well, you know, as a, as a as someone who has gone to Botswana before, I did I did know that. Um, but <laughs> look, it's fine. Um, you, you do a very good job every week, Metacon. I just feel bad for uh, giving you the mild groan whenever it comes out. <laughs> okay, well, what about this one? We were talking about the UK right now. Mm-hmm. Fuel shortages are happening. Uh, people lined up for hours down the street. People are getting, you know, pulling out knives in the petrol queue. It's getting pretty hectic, right? Lots of stuff not appearing on supermarket shelves. But if you were to go down the chip aisle in the UK. You mean the crisp aisle in the UK? Yeah, the crisp. Oh, my Tell you what, you'll get a knife pulled on you if you call them, <laughs> call them the wrong word, mate. You'll need to call the bobbies for that one. Jeez. <laughs> uh, we, we talked about chip flavors on the live broadcast we did, commentating on the... Uh, on the AFL over the weekend, the AFL Grand Final. And we talked about chip flavors and what the best ones were. Now, here's my fact. According to several surveys, the most popular chip flavor in the UK is cheese and onion. Real, you're just no cheese and onion with the crinkle cut. God tier, my friends. <laughs> it is up there. As far as your basic you flavors go, Wait, it is you- it is your white t-shirt. It's better than your original. It's better than your chicken. I'm saying it's better than your S and V. No, see, that's the thing. No. How can it possibly be better than salt vinegar? Salt nah. vinegar is the best flavor of all. I'm gonna let you no, finish. No, no, no. The no, no, Salt no. got the Kanye glasses on, man, uh, I promise. Yeah, that's why you will go out and just eat vinegar all of the time when you're not eating salt and vinegar chips. Get out of here, mates. Um, we like you getting your mind growing. Cheese and onion chips make me think of feet. I don't know why. That's I just I feel like wet socks and salt and cheese and onion chips are the same thing. Yeah, wet socks, fins. Um, now listen, we're gonna move on to the uh, my mind blowns from you, the audience wants mind blowns. Please send us a voice memo with a fact that has blown your mind recently, just like Ash has done. Hey guys, so my mind blowing fact that is if the song 1985 by Bowling for Soup came out this year, it would actually be about the year 2002. And I don't think anything has ever made me feel older. Mind blown. Oh, whoa. And music still on MTV. The two kids in high school, she te- they tell her that Dude, she's on There's cold. another one that came out that was about dazed and confused, you know, starring Matt McConaughey. Mm. And it's like if those kids, if that, that movie was made now, it would be like mid-2000s. And like... 
They're all wearing flares and stuff. <laughs> I'm like, no. What would you? What would it be a good reference from O2? Oh, I, I would have been wearing my um my hottest button-up long sleeve bright yellow polo shirt and a pair of baggy white Nautica jeans. Oh yeah, baby. Parties better watch out. Were you at a ball boy at the Brisbane <laughs> International or something? <laughs> what was Matt O'Kai doing in O2? The polo shirt. The polo shirt or the Nordica with the big, oh, or maybe man. some FUBU jeans. Man, I would have been killing it, uh, Let's check out this mind blown from Tess. Hey guys, Tess here from Sydney. On the weekend, we did a Zoom trivia and I did learn one interesting fact. What bones are babies born without? Kneecaps. Blew my mind. I had to Google it. It turns out they get them about two years old. And as I have a two-year-old daughter, I immediately went to check. And it's true. Mind blown. So you just grow your kneecaps when you're two? I did not know that at all. It makes sense, though, because kids will, I mean, when they crawl, they really go on any surface. And I... I'm kneeling for five seconds and I'm done. And that's why two-year-olds very rarely give up secrets to the mafia. Order up. Just how you like it. Perfect. All day breakfast. Our next guest is an Australian star of screen, of uh, theatre, and you can say stage; it works better. The screen and stage. I was—I just forgot the word. <laughs> um, and then, and of books, um, he is out uh, of scripture celebrating the release of his latest book out now. It's called Plum. He is a poet, an actor, a writer, and he's here on Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. Please welcome to the show, Brendan Cow. Oh, good day. How are you going? So Thank good, you so Brendan. much for having me on. Not a problem. Congratulations. The latest book dropping yesterday, Plum, named after the character Peter Lum, a.k.a. Plum. Does that make you, Brendan Cowell, a bowel? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can you can call me that. I mean, hopefully bowel is healthy these days. Well, um, you've never irritated me, Brendan. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how we go with the interview. Things can change. Especially when you get in your 40s. Um, you know, I call it the sniper zone with health. You oh, really? Trying to get through, you know. But um, yes, yeah, stage, screen, and scribe. Uh, I just put my quill away, and I'm very, yeah, very proud to have have plum out. It's a uh, book I wrote in lockdown uh, last year in London, and have been um, lucky enough for HarperCollins to pick it up. So it's very meaningful that it's out into the world. Well, I mean, tell us about this Peter Lum character. Are they, are they a real person? No, no, it's a fiction novel, but um, hopefully, you know, hopefully the authenticity of it comes through and it feels real, which is kind of what the feedback is from from readers. But Peter the Plum Lum, he's a 49-year-old kind of battered old footy player uh, who he didn't go into the commentary box. He works at Qantas Dragon, planes out into the tarmac, and then he goes and meets his three mates um, who are ex-sportsmen, for, you know, four to 14 schooners in the afternoon, goes home, he's got a girlfriend, he's got a son who's 16 who's about to play rugby league professionally as well. Uh, and everything's kind of going along um, until one day he has an epileptic fit and nearly drags a plane into another plane. He finds out he's got a degenerative brain injury and that if he doesn't change his life, it'll be dementia or, or death. And so he's, he kind of has to make some changes. And after a failed suicide attempt, he gets a job... Work and security to a pub where he stumbles upon a poetry night and 
um, that kind of triggers the, you know, sets off a, a ripple effect of, of self-discovery, including um, Peter beginning to write poetry and being visited upon um, by some dead and alive poets. All right. I mean, it sounds uh, like it sounds quite mad, fantastical, really. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, also the the idea of someone being captured by poetry, uh, an art form that doesn't probably get the recognition and uh, respect that it possibly could in Australia. Not since the Bard, you know, is <laughs> or Henry Lawson back in the day. <laughs> Is that a moment that you personally resonate with or is it something that you saw happen to someone else? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, you, re- you remember last year um, I put on that event, uh, Poems for Pause, where we raised about $15,000 for the Koala Hospital after the bushfires and notable celebrities came and read four-minute poems and the night was just unbelievable. And that kind of kicked it off for me where I remembered why I started writing. Um, which was when I was 12, 13, I started writing poems and it made sense of the world for me when I felt um, a little bit isolated as a weirdo in Cronulla. Um, and I've always, poetry's always made sense of things for me and it's just been something I did. I worked out I could write um, by reading poems out at university and then in pubs. So it was definitely a thing that saved my life. And if you look around now, like poetry is everywhere. It's just that poetry is such a dirty word, but Twitter is poetry. Kanye West is poetry. You know, the way that we text each other is poetry, the way that people speak. And it's in music. It's in, you know, the internet. It's in culture. Wherever you look, you're hearing a poem. And the way people speak is poetry. And so I thought, you know, who's the last person to be healed by poetry? And I thought, an Aussie thug whose brain is battered and smashed open, suddenly the corridors are open to the beauty of language and imagery. And it rescues him. Oh, it's so awesome, man. I love poetry. I did poetry at uni. And um, I've also, in year 11, uh, wrote a love poem to someone I liked at the time. Um, oh, I did that as well. God, I put it on a website and everything. Oh, so I didn't go public. Oh, no, I gave it to after the final uh, school, school musical we were in. How did the poem go? I can't remember. Daiso, did you, do you remember your poem? Oh, yeah. Well, go on. Well, I won't say, I can't read it all, do it all, but I could give you the last line. Um, so I hope we stay friends because I don't want to regret knowing the girl I'll never forget. Um, so that's what <laughs> I went with at the end there, Brendan. <laughs> such a defeatist, tragic poem. <laughs> I, I, the first girl I love, Julia Scully, um, I saw her in a screening of Reality Bites um, at Miranda Westfield when I was in year 11. And I, I delivered a rose to her house the next day and on the back of it I wrote a poem, but the last two lines were, reality doesn't bite, it blossoms. Oh, <laughs> that is. And then I had my phone number, Whoa. my phone number, you know, 952313, you know, <laughs> yeah. underneath it and she called me. Wow. Oh, there you go. Poetry works. All right. Poetry sets hearts on fire. Love it. Well, it's true. I mean, you think when big events happen, like funerals and weddings, what happens? People read a poem, you know. They are things that we lean into, but we kind of don't realise how, um, you know, it's everywhere. That's it, man. And this book's um, really incredible. You mentioned sort of the um, the authenticity of the characters around it, and I, I really got that of these four NRL dudes sitting in the pub. What's the secret to writing 
with an Australian accent because it's really interesting <laughs> the decisions you make when it comes to uh, shortening words, spelling things differently like Saturday uh, rather than Saturday. <laughs> like how did you go about, you know, making sure that the reader would be able to interpret these, you know, re- relatively tough accents to understand in real life? Yeah, I, can, I think it is like Malcolm Knox said in his quote in the book, like this, this is a celebration of the Australian vernacular. So the kind of way we destroy English language um, has almost been given a new poetic life in this because the book is about poetry and it uses language, but the language must exist within Peter Lum's world, which is a bruised and battered footy world. Um, but luckily I've done enough research in taverns um, throughout my 45 <laughs> years and life. And, you know, coming from Cronulla, this is my uncle. Uh, these are the guys I grew up with and these are the places that I've, you know, that I've stood. And, and so I'm still in contact with a lot of rugby league players. And so it, it's, it's just very natural for me. And, and there's a real shorthand understanding of what each other means. Um, and I thought I'd celebrate the musicality um, of the Aussie way of speaking. Yeah. Well, now look, uh, Brendan, you've published this book. It is out now, but you're also an actor and doing so on an incredible scale worldwide. Uh, you were a part of Game of Thrones in season seven. Yes. Uh, you are also due to appear in Avatar 2, which is uh, due to be out next year. Now, when I first was introduced to your work, it was in Love My Way. Uh, on Foxtel, an incredible series that I think is just one of the most classically talked about TV shows of yeah. my generation. What's it like when you go from the set of something like that, you know, which you were behind the writing of and acting in, to then just on possibly the biggest scale you could be when it comes to movie cinematic, you know, blockbusters? Yeah, I mean, the difference. You know, I'd say the catering on Love My Way would have been great because it's Australia, so that's probably similar. Um, you get an amazing hotel and a and a hire car. Um, that they're the fundamental differences, and and I guess with Love My Way, you know, as you know from filming telly, um, you probably do six or seven scenes a day um, with Love My Way, and you know, and last year I had two scenes to do, and it took six months. On Avatar. Are you serious? <laughs> on Avatar, yeah. two scenes. Yeah, I, I went to Avatar for two scenes. Oh, the other thing was they had another scene to shoot in the middle, which took two months. Um, this whole forest <laughs> sequence. And so, um, but what? And so, you know, there, there's that because um, it's just so massive, and and because you're you're shooting at motion capture and live action, so things can just take so long, and also often you've got hundreds extras and you've got you know you're on the water and things so it's quite preposterous but I've never seen anything like it and to be on those big sets and then you've got you look over and your director's got the megaphone he's yelling at and you're like geez that's James Cameron over there and (laughs) it's just you you forget because you get used to working with him but I you know being a boy from Cronulla all that kind of stuff I'm like what am I doing here that's like you know what I deserve to be here. I'm good. Let's do it, you know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, Brendan Cow, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be chatting and we can't wait to not only see you in Avatar 2, but check out the latest book. It is called Plum and it's available now wherever you get your books. Thank you so much, boys. You've got a year till Avatar's out in the cinemas, so that should be enough time to get through the novel, I reckon. So, yeah. They, <laughs> but thank you so much. Meaningful to have me on to talk the book. Thanks, guys. Oh. 
Well, we talked about mind-blowing things, Alex Dyson, so far today. And before we get on to our next topic, I do want to point out a message that Emmett George, Wandering Aspect, said to us yesterday. He said he really wanted to get get uh, correct me for saying something always goes awry at a US fair yesterday's show. Something goes awry? Yeah, I just had to Google it because I thought that's what the word was. No, but- I didn't catch that. <laughs> But it's it's awry. I did. I I literally have always looked at that word and gone, "Well, that's awry." Oh my Does it god! Make sense? I didn't know. I don't know what awry means. I just know what that word looks like. I didn't pick that up. We'll have to uh, get into the archives to hear that one. But yeah, if you'd said, "Oh my god, things have gone awry," <laughs> <laughs> goodness, that's excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much for uh, the correction, there, Emmett. We uh, appreciate that one. I reckon Emmett would be pretty good to have in the household, Matt, to be able to um, fix things up when things go do go a little bit awry. Um, <laughs> a little bit awry. But the vocab gets a little bit askew. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> askew. Um, we did talk about housemates yesterday and uh, Alex Dyson, you were relaying an old story about Woods's first housemate when she moved from Cairns to Melbourne. Townsville. How dare you? Ta- oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm fudging all my words, aren't I? Although born in Cairns. Interesting one. Um, that's right. Uh, the old housemate that comes into your room because they think that you've caught a flight but it was cancelled and so you're sleeping in there with your girlfriend and then the housemate walks in and snooping through your room and then goes, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were gone. Um, not the best. And so we asked you, who has been your housemate nightmares? Joe from Orange is in touch. G'day, Joe. Hey, how you doing? Good, thanks, Joe. Now you've had a you've had a dodgy housemate before. Uh, a real doozy. So I was living with uh, a few other people, three people. So four of us in the house last year. Um, one of the girls, a little bit strange. Um, she did have some family around one night, and they, you know, ordered some pizza and had a little catch up. I think it was like her uncle and a cousin or something like that. Um, and she offered, you know, if oh, if you guys want some pizza, like help yourself, like don't be shy, kind of thing. So we're like, oh, we're all good, thanks. Um, you know, next day, hunting for snacks, um, spied a bit of pizza in the fridge. Uh, so we each had a slice, myself and one of my other housemates. Oh, might, um, might take you up on that now today. Now exactly, right? Yep. She said it was all good, help ourselves. So we did. Um, and later that day, she came home from work and goes, who's eating my pizza? Who's been eating my food? And we, we kind of fessed up. We said, oh, you know, we just had a piece each. She said we could help ourselves. <laughs> and she goes, well, no, I don't eat your food and had a bit of a strop. Um, and then, you know, we've always shared bills and expenses and things like that on Splitwise, on that app. Um, and we're pretty surprised when what pops up, but a notification, $2.75 for pizza. <laughs> oh, charge you for the slice. Was there, t- was there two slices left and that was it? Um, no, they'd ordered a few pizzas. There was tons left. There was most of a pizza left. So we thought, what's two slices? <laughs> well, I didn't realise it had cost you two seventy five. So had, the, had she taken the cost of the pizza and divided it by eight and that was your f- fee? From- <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out. Like, I don't think Domino's charges that much for a pizza. Surely two seventy five is a bit steep. And she hadn't even bought it. I'm pretty sure the uncle had bought the pizza. It's not like she was out of pocket. So she's getting it. <laughs> she's getting a little bit of extra topping on her slice. That's for sure. So she's making money about snacking. <laughs> Goodness me. <laughs> so we me. fondly refer to it as Pizzagate. Right. How does a relationship recover from that? Oh, mate, turn it up. That's a $22 pizza. She's charging you. That is an absolute, you could get two with the garlic bread and some dippers delivered. 
<laughs> Absolutely. $2.75, my pepperoni. All right. Well, well, thank you for letting us know about it, Joe. We'll catch you later. Also, Andrew from Wollongong. What's your story, Andrew? Yeah, so um, bit of a squirmy warning on this one. Uh-oh, a housemate squirmy warning. That's that's not going to be good. Yeah, so good mate of mine, Gussie, he um bit of a slob, but sort of kept it to his own room, so wasn't the worst guy to live with. He's a good mate. And I'm very particular about my pots and pans. I'm like, I'm a very scratch-free, silicon-only utensils kind oh, of guy. There's nothing worse than that metal utensil going onto the Teflon. I cringe no. at the and thought. You can hear it from the lounge room and you run into the kitchen and yell at someone. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. All right, what's happened? This pot, good um, Baccarat, big saucepan, big five-litre boy, um, mm. went missing. Oh, I mean, that, it sounds like a very nice big pot. I bet you, you cooked some pasta in that one. It was the spaghetti bolognese pot. The kind of one you buy from a shop that's always 70% off and closing down, but you get a pretty good 100%. deal on that big old pot. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> I'm sure that's where my mum picked up. Beautiful. Anyway, said pan went missing for like two weeks and I was like, oh, you know, that's weird. It's a big pan. doesn't just go missing. He's asking everyone. Three other people living in the house. Yeah. And no one sort of fessed up to it. And I was like, not too stressed about it. It'll turn up. Yeah. Anyway, I'm walking past old Gussie's room one day and there's a doona on the ground. And um, his room looks like bloody tornadoes gone through there. And see this little silver baccarat poking out from underneath the doona. And I went over and moved it. I could just see the handle and uncovered this two-week-old churned up kebab spew that he'd done oh, into my pot no. two weeks prior after a sesh. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. And my heart just sank. Oh, I was like, oh. Not my baby boy. And it had been sitting there for two weeks. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I remember just kind of going out and thinking, oh, that's, that's really not what you want for a pan. <laughs> like, <laughs> There's a lot of things that I take issue with. I have to find out more, Andrew, because when you're at home and say, you know, we've we've all overindulged, we've all had the urge, right? You're in the kitchen, you're going for the sink, you're not looking through the pots and pans drawer to try and pull out a pan. No, he's put it, no you're a rookie, Dyson. I think Dyson. it must have been a case of, um, you know, chuck it next to the bed just in he's, case. Yeah, he's put it next to the bed. Okay. Come on. You go for the big salad bowl if you have to pick something. Like, you don't. <laughs> You don't get a pan. And then it's it's happened the next morning. It's, I'm going to put my doona over this. That will <laughs> fix the issue. That's where I sort of cut him a little bit of slack because I don't think he was fully aware that he'd done what, it. two weeks later? His room was that messy. I think he may have just covered it and just forgotten about it. <laughs> a massive pot in your bedroom. You don't know what's in there. He'd put this matter to bed. That's what he'd done. Well, now that I'm saying it out loud, he definitely knew, like... <laughs> Goodness gracious. Anyway, I kind of just put the dinner back and then mentioned it to him like later that day. I was like, do you want to just have a little poke through your room? Because I reckon Pan might be in there. And then he's like, oh, yeah, it was in there. I'll, I'll just give it a clean for you and put it back. Sorry about that. I didn't even know it was in there. I was like, yeah, okay. And then dead, dead giveaway when he goes outside and starts cleaning it under the garden tap. And it out <laughs> the I was like, <laughs> dead giveaway, mate. Who doesn't notice that there's been spew in their room for two weeks. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> That's 
alarming. Anyway, thank you very much. <laughs> no worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Andrew. Pretty cool, Andrew. Really appreciate it. And we'll chat to you uh, later. By that, I mean tomorrow. We've got another big episode for you tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Happy International Podcast Day to you. And if you want to celebrate by helping out your two mates here on the podcast, why not jump onto the little link in our matt.anna.alex Insta bio. And um, Matt, we got a feedback form. Yeah, that's right. Look, we wanted to, we've been doing this show for more than a year and a half now. We wanted to hear from you about the things that you like about it, the things that you don't like about it, the things you'd like to see more, the things you'd like to see less. Um, So we'd really love you to fill out that form and send it back to us. Once you hit submit, you will officially go in the draw for a Matt and Alex comfy, comfy all day robe. So your hard work won't uh, hopefully be without all in vain. Please check it out on the at matt.n.alex Instagram page. Other than that, thank you so much for joining us and we will catch you later on. Bye-bye. That's it. The all-day breakfast kitchen is closed. Got something to add to the show? Slide into our DMs at matt.n.alex. Listener.